Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and today I'm joined by Dave Giannini from the A Podcast Directed By podcast. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on as a guest. Yeah, thank you very much for joining me. This is sort of my first uh, Skype guest, so hopefully oh, everything no goes pressure. smoothly. It's yeah. Maybe first and last, depending on how it goes. Yeah, finger, fingers <laughs> crossed. We'll see. <laughs> so today, Dave and I will be running through Toy Story 4. We'll warm up with brief spoiler-free thoughts on the film and just the franchise as a whole, maybe talk a little bit about Pixar. And then we'll run into spoiler th- territory where we can talk freely about the film. And then finally, we'll round out the episode with our point two section where we discuss what else we've been watching. And Dave, actually, I just have a quick question for you since you're on the uh, Movie Marathoners podcast. Have you ever ran a marathon before? Oh, God, no. Um, I've done <laughs> – I had started actually training for a half marathon at one point. I had – you know, they have those apps to like – couch to 10k or whatever and i started using one of those and then messed up my knee and then i was like forget this and i stopped and then never went back to it but it is something that i do want to do in the future at some point when i get in a little better shape oh that's great yeah my second question was going to be well would you ever consider it yeah for sure yeah absolutely just to you know just to say like i did that like and probably never do it again but be like hey (laughs) no matter what else you say about me i ran that marathon so (laughs) You know, I, I definitely did it the first time being like, oh, I'm never going to want to do this. And I've only done one so far. But somebody told me once that like once you do one, you'll get addicted to them. It's the and runner's I'm not, high thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite there, but like I'm, I'm itching. I'm okay. itching to do another one. So, nice. you know, who knows? Maybe you'll get obsessed with it. <laughs> so uh, first, we'll just read a quick synopsis of Toy Story 4. When a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. Toy Story 4 stars Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, and Tony Hale, among others. It is written by a slew of people, so I'll just mention the screenplay credits. That's Andrew Stanton and Stephanie Folsom, and it's directed by Josh Cooley. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Ah! He's a spool. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, So, Dave, what's your history with the Toy Story franchise? Is that something that you grew up with? Um, when was the la- the first time you saw them? When was the last time you saw any of them? Well, I think I'm too old to say I grew up with it. <laughs> okay. I don't think they came out when I was super young. And don't worry, I listened to your Aladdin episode. You won't get any crazy opinions on this show. Like, you know, the new version is better than the classic Aladdin or anything insane like that um but i have been (laughs) kind of a a fan of pixar um from the beginning i think the first one came out now 25 years ago somewhere around there i think 95 right or 91 maybe something like that so you know i was you know at best uh in high school and at worst a little past high school when they started and i remember 
that just being a huge deal. And it sounds funny to say it now, like, oh, a computer animated movie, like everyone kind of lost their minds about that because that had never really been done on a large scale before. And then it was this massive success. And then you start thinking, oh, will Pixar ever like recreate this? And seemingly with every pretty much every movie, they've been pretty successful. You know, there's been some down periods There's stuff like The Good Dinosaur, you know, maybe the Cars movies for some people brave. But like in general, all their movies are kind of these A to A plus movies. And I really enjoy the Toy Story franchise. It's not my favorite Pixar. I think that's probably like Ratatouille is probably my favorite Pixar movie. I think that's almost like, especially in terms of an anim- animated film, just about perfect. Um, but to continue making, especially within the realm of Toy Story, to make this level of quality over, you know, 20 to 30 years is pretty impressive. You know, I don't think even including this one, not to spoil anything, but I don't think there's been a bad Toy Story movie. All four of them are good to great. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mean, definitely as far as all the Pixar franchises go, I think Toy Story is the only one that can say that as each of them is just exceptional. Uh, You mentioned that Ratatouille is your favorite. Why is that? I'm just curious. I I think uh, a lot of it's I kind of like the message of it, that kind of like no matter where you come from and what your skill set is, you can do great things if you have passion for it uh, and if you have the right guidance, you know, and also I think it was kind of this inspired bit of casting to bring Patton Oswalt into a a Disney movie. Like if you would have told me that five years before Ratatouille came out, I'd like, there is no way that will ever happen. Because it's kind of, you know, he's foul mouthed, he's a little over the top and kind of dark, you know, his comedy is really... You know, (laughs) on that line of light and dark where you're like, oh, I don't know if I should laugh at this. This is really messed up. Um, So to cast him as your lead is kind of like, well, okay, we're going that route. But it really, really works. And I and I also think the animation is beautiful, especially what they did. There's a sequence in that movie where he gets kind of swept away on the water and the water is notoriously difficult to animate. They, of course, they did it, you know, on this grand scale in Finding Nemo, but a lot of that is kind of under the surface, so you don't have the waves and the kind of movement that you had to do with this, and that looked incredibly, like, almost photorealistic in that sequence. I remember seeing that in theater and just being like, how in the world did you manage this? So also on a technical level, it's just really excellent as well. Yeah, I, my, actually, my favorite Pixar movie is, is Finding Nemo, but definitely. It's hard to argue with that. That's a great choice. I mean, it's, it's, really it's an good. incredible movie. Just, it, it feels like I was talking to somebody once who described it as an epic, and it just does feel like almost like an Odyssey esque epic. Oh, yeah. It's um, a gigantic journey literally across the world. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, definitely going back to it, especially the parts where Marlin is above the water kind of looking for the boat, that stuff looks a little brutal. And same with um, the water in Incredibles. Mm -hmm. But they really do perfect it by like especially Finding Nemo or or Finding Dory, the sequel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That water animation is incredible. So then where do you think about – I mean is it like upper echelon where the Toy Story films land? I don't necessarily want to group them all in one yeah, thing. They, but. They're definitely not all one thing, but I think, you know, I think they've, they've come out with over 20 movies at this point. And I just recently, you know, cause like every other, you know, crazy film fan online. Now I have a, an account on letterboxd.com where you can kind of put diaries of your movies and make lists. So I just like made a list of all the Pixar movies and all four of the Toy Story movies are in the top 10. So they're all in the top half of, wow. and, I, and to me, like, and it's so hard to, plot that difference between them because they're all very good so i want to make that clear but i think toy story 2 for me is kind of the quote-unquote worst 
of them. That's that's the one that's lowest for me. And Toy Story 3 is an almost perfect movie, um, which is, I mean, we'll probably get into this, but that's kind of, that was one of the negatives uh, people had to talk about this movie before it was even released. Like, why are you making a Toy Story 4? It, you already made this great trilogy and you wrapped it up perfectly. What are you doing? You're going to ruin it. Uh, so Toy Story 3 is way up there. I think it, it was like my number two, like right below Ratatouille. So it's, you know, but they're all in the top the top echelon there they're all in that top half they're all like you know four star movies and above on a five star range it's pretty good yeah nice when's the last time that you saw specifically toy story 3 because i that was the only one i managed to watch before this you know recently i i also work for a, a website as a writer called talk film society and i you know i did the review the written review for toy story 4 so to prepare for that i watched all three of the other ones like in the couple days before i saw it so i just saw toy story 3 like i don't know three or four days ago so it's still uh, pretty fresh okay <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the only one that was fresh for me and like retrospectively now after the movie maybe i should have watched one of the ones with bo peep in it all right <laughs> yeah she kind of has a you know slightly large role in this movie yeah yeah but toy story 3 i i was i don't know if blown away is the right word but i was very happy with how you know it still holds up yeah and i think especially that ending um maybe i'll keep it vague just in case somebody hasn't seen the ending of toy story 3 but there is a situation in it right where you are very concerned for the toys and yes. <laughs> even right even when you know what's going to happen and i mean it's not a spoiler to say that they're not going to kill the toys but for some reason in that movie they do an amazing job at making you feel like they're actually going to die oh yeah that sequence you're talking about is terrifying like yeah not just for a kids movie but in general like i'm watching it like this is you know we talked about kind of the Patton oswald thing like this is dark but that was really dark and because we have this mindset of like well we do if we're going to do a series of movies it's in a trilogy so this could very well be the last one so i don't know these movies are getting more adult as they go because a lot of the original fans of toy story are getting older and getting more mature and like i don't know maybe they do kill the toys at the end of the third one like it is <laughs> i mean there was a moment or two especially when i first saw it was like oh my god they are going to murder these loved these beloved toys in front of our eyes and there's going to be crying children like this is going to be hard <laughs> to watch you do really feel that and that is rare especially for an animated film yeah i'm curious if you have any insight or uh like conjecture as to like how pixar is able to do that versus you think of something you know like the marvel movies or the game of thrones where they put these characters in peril and then you're sitting there and you as a movie goer because you know you've seen more than two movies you know oh, this <laughs> is the pump fake they're fine you know i i'm i'm trying to think why pixar is able to do that so well especially in that moment was it because the characters themselves sort of accepted their fate in a way, or what, think, what do you think it I was? I think there's a couple things. One, I think, you know, for better or worse, the MCU, which is, you know, for better for them, because they have made trillions of dollars at this yeah. point. They know what they're doing. But the one negative of announcing all these movies ahead of time and knowing who's under contract and all that is you're like, well, you know, this character is on contract for seven more movies, so they're clearly not going to die. Like, it's going to be okay. So we have a little bit too broad of a knowledge base. And you have the fact that, as a in Toy Story, these if anything, these characters are underpowered as opposed to superpowered, right? They have to worry about kids stepping on them. They have to worry about getting caught somewhere. They have to worry about dogs, about cats, about whatever, you know. So they are constantly in peril within the world they're in, whereas superheroes 
it's kind of the opposite, right? Like something huge has to happen for Captain America or Iron Man or Thor to be in any kind of danger. So, you know, they're at least going to make it to the end of the movie. Like they're going to be okay. Unless we're getting to like an end game thing where there's a big wrap up, like, okay, some characters might die. Some characters might not. But in Toy Story, you know, it's from the perspective of these tiny toys in this gigantic world. It's, it's the whole point is that it's overwhelming. Right. Whether you're talking about Toy Story one, two, three or four, you know, there's sequences where they're falling off of trucks and they're, you know, they're getting lost in this gigantic world. And I think that's so it does two things. It connects it to kids because kids kind of feel like this all the time. Right. They are these tiny Mm -hmm. beings in this huge world that they don't really understand. And us as adults, we look back and remember and we can see it from an outside perspective of like. You know, we don't have that perspective of, oh, we're invincible because we're teenagers or we're young kids. We look at it and we're like, well, kids are really fragile. Toys are really fragile. Like bad things can happen. And sometimes there's no coming back from them in this big, scary, dangerous world. So I think it taps into that kind of paternal, maternal, protective instinct that we all have in seeing these, even though they're running around doing crazy things, they're still really fragile and need to be protected in a lot of ways, just like our kids so on that first point, though, do you think that if they had announced a Toy Story 4, that scene wouldn't have been as effective? I think it's effective, but less so, right? Because right. in that scene you're talking about, again, without giving away anything for the five of you who are under a rock who did not see Toy Story 3. And made, choosing to listen to this, yes, whatever. <laughs> for some reason, you know, it's basically every character is in the same situation in that moment. They are all in danger. So kind of like if one goes, they're probably all going to go. Right. Right. So it's like you do have that concern. And if you would announce a Toy Story 4, you're like, well, if there's a Toy Story 4, I mean, Woody's going to be okay, right? Buzz is going to be okay. These are the main characters. You can't really have another Toy Story movie without them. So I'm not worried. So I do think it takes away a little bit of the stakes Mm. of that moment if you know there's – you know, in the Mar- kids of Marvel, like, well, you've got 19 more movies coming up in the next three years. So, you know, I think some of them will survive. (laughs) Okay. So. But even, I mean, even in the moment, though, like rewatching Toy Story 3, I know how it's going to end. I know that I'm mm-hmm. prepping for Toy Story 4. I still got goosebumps or yeah. it, it affected me. So there, there's something there that it's like there maybe maybe it is, as you say, it's just the fact that they're so vulnerable and right. adorable. And because it's a G movie, you're not used to them. You know, you're not even used you, you weren't even considering that as a possibility yeah. uh, and I think, when you went into honestly, the Honestly, just having so. Tom Hanks in there helps too. Like America's nicest man. Like we just like I don't want anything yeah. bad to happen to him ever, like as a person, as an actor, as a character. So it just again, that protective instinct. It's not like, you know, I mean, I love me some Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., but I'm like, oh, they can take care of themselves, you know, they're young, they're virile, they can do their own thing. Whereas Tom Hanks, like Tom Hanks has been around forever. We need him. In our cinema world, we we need America's dad. <laughs> like we can't we can't <laughs> yeah. let him go. Right. So uh, Toy Story three came out in 2010. So that was nine years ago. And then you know, as you said, we felt that that was the end. It very ends very definitively with well, whatever. I mean, actually, you know what? We kind of have to spoil the end of Toy yeah, Story. Yeah, because that's kind of where about- Toy Story four starts. Right. There's that kind of transition of them leaving Andy and going to a new kid. You know, yeah. which, which did feel like this perfect wrap up, like, oh, we're, you know, they still fulfill their purpose as toys, but their journey with Andy is done and they're on to a series of new adventures that we don't necessarily have to film. Right. Right. We know who these characters are. Buzz and Woody have changed over the years and they become friends. OK, great. It's a good place to stop. And yet, 
you know, the yep. cynical way to look at it is like, and yet there's more money to be made. So we're back for Toy Story 4. <laughs> right. Which was announced in November of 2014, uh, which, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know that Lee, I, I can't remember his last name, Unkrich, Unkrich, the director <laughs> of Toy Story 3. He was like, yeah, no, we're done after Toy Story 3. Well, in 2010, he said that. And I mean, that felt right. Mm-hmm. And then in 2014, it was announced. And I remember first seeing the news and clicking on an article, maybe it's Green Rant or something, and scrolling down to the comments. And the general consensus was that Michael Scott gif from The Office of him just going, no, 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 no. 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 Yeah. So is that how you felt when it was first announced? I mean, I, I don't think my my reaction was that strong. I think it was just kind of like, Ugh, I mean, I guess like that was kind of my my initial reaction to it. It's like, you know, I'll I'll watch it. You know, all three movies. Okay. Like, I think at some level, like, yes, would the third one be a perfect wrap up? Absolutely. But also, like, I don't know, when you make movies this good and for this long, like, you've kind of earned my trust. Like, all right, if you think there's another story to be told, then I'm gonna come into it with an open mind. Because you have made three fantastic films and made this brilliant trilogy, you know, and I'm not a bit, I'm not the biggest fan of, okay, that's, that's not fair. I was going to say I'm not the biggest fan of animation. I like animation, but I put it in this kind of different category. Like I am that jerk who's like, yeah, it was good for a cartoon. You know, like that's, you know, it's a different, it's fair, you know, it's it's made for kids, you know, but these are kind of the very top Pixar is kind of the top of that. Of course, there are animated films that are great. You know, you talk about things like the Iron Giant, you know, uh, or if you want to kind of dip into anime, there's plenty of like adult themes going on and things like Akira, you know, like that is there. But in general, they're kind of at this level below, but Toy Story has done a good job of aging with its audience and bringing in mature themes for a kid's movie that most kids aren't going to catch catch on to. But the adults that are forced to watch it because they have kids are going to be like, oh, there's something here. So they've, they've earned that trust for me that I'm going to be like, OK, I will go see your Toy Story 4, even though I feel like you did a great job, you know, wrapping it up already. You got something else to say? I'll listen. OK, yeah, I am. Not proud to say that I was definitely one of those naysayers at the beginning. Like my first initial reaction was, this is stupid. You know, of course they're doing this. And I was very <laughs> upset. But, you know, then, I mean, that was five years ago. You grow up a little bit. <laughs> and you um, forget about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's coming out this year. Yeah. And Half then it's like, well, later. <laughs> I'm not going to not see that. So, yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't I mean going at, at least at this point like in 2019 going into it I wasn't like I hope this fails or anything like that. Um <laughs> Yeah, don't be so that I guy. Was, don't don't be that guy rooting for a kids movie to fall out its face. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as as you say before, it's not like this is Cars 3 where the second one was a disappointment, you know? So, yeah, yeah they Let's they double they've down got, and make something worse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think about this? I liked it. I thought they did a really good job with it. And I was really, I was surprised at my reaction to it because it, in a lot of ways, like it, it sometimes there's a bit of rehash of some old themes, like kind of, you know, you have this new character, Forky, you know, which is this very strange choice. I mean, it's like, it's as close to Toy Story getting to like Cronenberg body horror. Like it's just this weird like thing that doesn't, you know, his whole process of character arc is like i don't know why i exist like it's it's that level of like what am i and what purpose do i serve but at some level that's kind of what buzz was going through in the first movie right like him trying to figure out like oh i'm not real i am a toy i'm coming to terms with that but this is even more kind of 
up in the air and existential in the way they're mm-hmm. dealing with it. And in a lot of ways, it, it takes a very different route than the other Toy Story movies. The other Toy Story movies, in a lot of ways, it's very much Woody and Buzz and their relationship. And without giving anything away, for 90% of this movie, those two don't share the screen. And that is a really gutsy thing to do for a very successful franchise. They know what works. They know, you know, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen together work voice-wise on screen and they are enjoyable and their their interactions when they're upset with each other and when they like each other are great. So instead of doing that, they're like, yeah, let's constantly separate them and have Woody go on his own journey with Bo Peep, which is a very, like, it's not like it's that adult, but like in terms of the the themes, it is kind of in, at least in my opinion, this corollary for growing up and starting romantic relationships. Like that's what the, you know, that's Woody's choice in this movie is like, do I, do I be with my friends or do I be with someone who challenges me? You know, and I thought like, wow, what an interesting way to go. So because of that separation, there are times that it feels a little staggered and stunted where you're like, what's supposed, I'm not sure what's supposed to happen next, which is a nice feeling as an older viewer of kind of like, I'm not sure which way this is going to go. Where if you watch Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, maybe up until the end of Toy Story 3, you're kind of like, okay, I know the path we're headed here. Where this is a little, it keeps you on the edge of your seat a little bit, which is a nice feeling. Yeah, I like I liked this quite a bit. Um, it's Again, since I haven't seen the second or the first one, it's hard to tell where they, you know, it ranks among the other three. But I... I loved this movie, I think, is a, a fair assessment. I think that my favorite part about it was that a lot of these Pixar movies, they tend to be kind of like gut-wrenching. Um, and, you know, even some of my favorite ones, like I absolutely love Inside Out, but that movie is in some ways kind of devastating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even the third one, it's, it's uh, gets you. And this one didn't do that as much. I thought it was a lot more lighthearted. It still had the heavy themes that you're talking about, but it made you feel good about those themes as opposed to kind of feeling like, oh, my whole world is rocked. (laughs) Right. But I also thought that this movie was just absolutely hilarious. Um, We can talk about more specifics and spoilers, but there were two scenes that I I'm, maybe the word is guffaw. I guffawed mm-hmm. sure. yeah. at the screen. Um, I went to see it with my two friends and it was like a 9.50 p.m. showing. So there was virtually no children in the audience and everybody was into the movie, all the adults. <laughs> um, it, it was surprising to me how like vocal the audience was when, you know, something would happen to a character and there'd be a giant gasp as if it was this revolutionary thing. And, and myself, too, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But it you know, it, I mean, it's a toy <laughs> in, right, in, right. A, in a lesser <laughs> in a, the hands of a lesser studio. This would be stupid. Right. And I think that it never the craziest thing to me about the Toy Story films is that it never feels unauthentic. Right. Yeah, it's always very genuine. I think probably the thing that impressed me most about this movie in ways that they, they kind of went a different angle is in the previous Toy Story movies, you have pretty blatant villains, right? You have Sid, the kid next yeah. door from the first one. You have the the toy collector and Stinky Pete from the second one. Uh, and you have uh, Lotso from the third one, right? No big surprises as far as like you, you know, they're introduced and you're like, okay, I know where this is going. Like, this is the villain. This is the heavy, right? In this You do have a villain that's pretty obvious when she is first introduced, but that character's arc may be the most powerful arc in the entire film Mm -hmm. and her growth and her change. And the way they handled that 
was surprisingly subtle for this franchise because usually it's like you know either a villain from the beginning or like you have the stinky pete villain who's kind of like ha ha just kidding i'm not a good guy you know evil laugh like it was just like okay i know where we're going we gotta we gotta beat the bad guy whereas this movie isn't about defeating the bad guy it's almost like the world at large is the scary dangerous place it's not so much about the people you run into but just the the world itself is is full of is full of danger and something you have to be wary of and you have to grow and you have to change and i thought like yeah that's a that's a nice way and i don't i don't know that this is the last toy story movie but if it is i kind of i kind of love that this is where it ends you know it's you know without spoiling anything some characters get separated some characters don't and it's kind of like you know sometimes that's the way life is yeah and even the antagonist sometimes in this film feels like it's your your world perspective almost. So opening yourself up to the world at large yes. in addition to, to the world at large, I, and yeah, I completely agree. Not, and sometimes there's not a right choice, right? There, right? Either choice you make, there's some wrong in it and there's some right in it, and that's life. It's like sometimes friendships end not because that guy's a jerk or they wronged me. It's just like this is what I do next and you're not there for that, and that's okay. You know, and I was like, wow, this is a, you know, it's it's a very non-simplistic way to go for a movie aimed at kids, you know? Mm-hmm. so Have you seen uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, the mm-hmm. Ralph Briggs the internet? Yes. yes. I, I mean, this didn't dawn on me until days after seeing the film, but I feel like some of the themes in that and the idea of, I, I guess I don't want to totally spoil that either, but Ralph kind of has to learn to accept that, you know, be friends with somebody from afar. <laughs> I, I think that there's yeah. very similar themes here. It's an interesting companion piece of Ralph kind of learning to, well, maybe let's talk about it in spoilers a little bit because it sometimes, or it seems like it's almost a, a reversal of themes, uh, especially where Woody and Buzz end up at the end of this. But before we uh, jump into spoilers here, I want to run some questions by you. Okay. I got an email from I'm in, I'm in grad school and I got an email from my university that kind of has a, a quiz of 10 questions that if you answer them all, they're filling the blank. You can get entered for a chance to win tickets to see Toy Story 4. They do it for new releases every now and then. I think the last one was maybe Detective Pikachu or Avengers. And I never know all of them, so I never submit, and I have a list anyway. So, <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> yeah, let let somebody else take it. But I thought that these questions were pretty interesting, and I'm curious um, if you know the answers because there were several that I didn't. Probably not. So but let's let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so so the first one uh, is famed comedian Billy Crystal was Pixar's first choice to play a major character in Toy Story, but turned it down. Which role was he offered? Hmm. I don't know this, and I'm trying to like picture his voice in my head as right. as these other characters. I mean, maybe Woody. That was my guess too, because yeah, it's, it seems like that would be the closest uh, parallel. He's got like this high pitched yeah. kind of yeah uh, neurotic voice. Is maybe the word to say, sure. but it's actually Buzz Lightyear. That would have been a horrible choice. Yep they they made the it's whoever made that decision made the right call. That's yeah goodness. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess actually he turned it down. So, you know, but yeah, definitely a better Mike Wazowski than he would have been a Buzz Lightyear. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, as a person, I'm not the biggest Tim Allen fan, but I think he is really good as Buzz Lightyear. Like, I think he works really well. His deep voice is very, uh, gives him kind of like a a presence that's, that's very nice. But they actually, there's a YouTube video of him saying some lines, Billy Crystal. They took lines from an original movie. I don't remember 
which one it is. Um, but they did it with some like it was like a, a screen test for Buzz, and it okay. it seems weird. So yeah, like, I'm glad yeah. they didn't go that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, question two: The Ohio Art Company was saved from bankruptcy because one of its toys was featured in the first two Toy Story films. Which toy was it? Uh, Mr. Potato Head. Mm-mm. I actually got this right because I was trying to reason like what real toy is there? Yeah. Uh, and. Both of those. I, I didn't think of Mr. Potato Head. That's a good one. But I guess Etch a Sketch, and that's correct. Oh, okay. So, sure, sure. Apparently, they, you know, it had like a 90 second clip in each of them, and that was enough to save Man. the entire company from bankruptcy. There so. you go. Good enough. Yeah. Question three Andrew Stanton, a credited writer on Pixar projects such as Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, and the Toy Story franchise, voiced which infamous character in the previous Toy Story film? Infamous. That was what got me to uh, infamous. It's- Maybe Sid? Hmm. Who's the infamous character that he would have... Emperor Zerg. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Like, you know, does his Darth Vader impression. That's... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I said Prospector Pete because I completely forgot that that was Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Yeah. So Evil Frazier, mis- yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This one's pretty easy. What vehicle first appeared in the original Toy Story and has since been featured in nearly every Pixar film? Uh... Oh, like the the Pizza Planet delivery car? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm like thinking, what's the name of the RC car? I'm like, what is it? Oh, no, vehicle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't actually pick it up in this one. Apparently, it's on a tattoo on somebody's arm, the uh, Pizza Planet truck. There, in this, are, but... there are lots of little cameos in this movie. I spotted a Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas in the antique oh, really? shop. Like there's, and from what I've read is like you pause this movie at any point, there is an Easter egg for you. Like it is just chock full of stuff. So that'll be nice once it's on home video to kind of check out what I missed. Yeah, definitely. Five, uh, Tom Hanks has voiced Woody in all the Toy Story films, but who voices the beloved character in Toy Story-related games and merchandise? Oh, and God. it's not Tom Hanks. God, I have no idea. I've yeah, been... I, I, did, I didn't <laughs> I notice either. Like, I, who sounds like yeah. Tom Hanks? I don't know. Who is it? <laughs> it's Jim Hanks, his brother, actually. Jesus. So, yeah. But I, had, I, had I didn't know he had a either. brother, so there's that. I learned that. I, mean, I, knew, I knew his son, Colin Hanks, but... Yeah, he's a terrific actor as well. So, uh, in early two thousands, oh, sorry, in the early two thousands, TV series Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which actor voiced the iconic Space Ranger? It wasn't, no it wasn't Tim Allen. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it was actually Patrick Warburton. Oh, I can see that. He's got that same voice. He voiced, you know, he voiced the Tick. He was on Family Guy, or yeah, yeah. Family Guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen this TV show? I think I've seen like clips of it, like commercials for it way back when, but I don't think I ever watched an episode. This this was in my youth, so I, I definitely watched this a lot. Um, it's a, it's a, from what I remember, it's a good show. I'm sure it's actually crap, but who knows? Well, yeah, you know, but when you're a kid, like it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, seven, at the end of Toy Story 3, as Andy is about to go off to college, he passes on his beloved toys to a little girl. I hope you know this one. What is her name? <laughs> hmm. Would it be Bonnie, the one of the main yeah. characters of Toy Story 4? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was wondering if she had a last name or anything, but I don't think she does. So I wouldn't have known that, but I got the first name. <laughs> Which popular character introduced in Toy Story 3 and voiced by Michael Keaton does not appear in the latest film? Oh, man. I don't know. Michael Keaton. Because I, because uh, I don't, because he didn't voice the villain. He didn't voice Lotso. I don't know. I don't remember. 
He was the uh, Ken doll. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Very yep. un Michael Keaton y performance. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the, the best job in the world is to be a celebrity and then just do voice acting. Like, just show up for a day, you know, say your 19 lines and collect your paycheck. Good Lord. Yeah, like, I wonder how much. <laughs> I wonder how much Keanu Reeves got paid for Toy Story 4. Seriously. Probably a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So which legendary comedian voiced fan favorite Mr. Potato Head and appears posthumously? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then uh, over the course of its development, Toy Story 4 was given initial release dates of June 16th, 2017, and then June 15th, 2018, which Pixar films were released on those earlier days. Uh, one of them's got to be Incredibles 2. Right? Yes. And Inside Out? Or is that nope. before that? Hmm. Before that. It's the redheaded stepchild of the Pixar universe, I guess. Cars 3. Oh, yeah. I don't like to talk about that movie. I don't Okay. <laughs> I don't feel I, bad about missing that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught that one on Netflix, and I Cars 2 is the only Pixar film I haven't seen. But I thought oh, Cars well, 3 was like— that is the worst one of the bunch, so that's what I've you're been doing told, okay. So. Cars 3 yeah. is an improvement, but that's not saying a lot. It's like the bar is on the floor, so they've—you know, right. they got above that bar, but it's, you know, it's fine. Disposable— yeah, it's got some interesting themes about legacy and yeah. coaching and teaching and stuff that I thought were kind of interesting. It but, tried. I mean, it gave yeah. it, you know, the old college try, but. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess you probably wouldn't have been able to get tickets to. Uh, oh, tragedy. No, <laughs> I, before, but, no, but like fine. you said, I have one of those, uh, you know, movie passes where you can, you know, see three movies a week. So I'm good. I don't, yeah, I don't need yeah. your, your free, I don't need your pity. I don't need your free <laughs> movies. That's, that's how I felt too. So I didn't want to be embarrassed either by only getting seven of them or whatever. Right, so, right. yeah. Okay. So do you have anything else you want to talk about quickly before going into spoilers? Uh, I don't think anything that's not a spoiler. No, I think we can move forward. Okay. If you had to give this one a, uh, out of 10, what would you give it? I think like a seven and a half out of 10. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I think That's I would good. give it an eight. So we're right, right on the same page. I would definitely recommend go seeing this. It's a great film. Yeah, so. for sure. Like, you know, and if you have kids, it's great. If you're just a fan of, of the franchise and you don't have kids, it, it'll, I think it'll kind of hit that sweet spot. I think you'll be happy with it. Yeah. All right. So we'll go into spoilers now. Spoilers for Toy Story 4 starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of reference this, uh, you know, this quote unquote villain character, this Gabby Gabby character, this, you know, this this doll in the in the antique shop, um, and all those sequences in the antique shop are honestly pretty scary like you know you got the dummies wandering around you know chasing our heroes through these like tight quarters i mean it is it is very influenced by you know kind of like slasher movies like that's what slasher movies zombie movies like that kind of stuff um and you know from the beginning even though she's acting nice like you i don't think there's any mystery that she's going to be a villain. Like you just know right away. And it gets to the point where it's like, I'm going to rip your voice box out and 
put it in my body. Like it is very, very dark. Um, you don't have those dolls and not be a, a villain. Ex- exactly. <laughs> those things are terrifying. Exactly. But I like the arc there is that it, that this is all coming from a place of pain. This is coming from a place of being abandoned, you know, which of course is a pretty common theme in the Toy Story movies, whether you're, you know, talking about stuff that happens with Woody in the first movie or with, you know, Jesse's backstory in the second movie. Like this is a common theme. But the arc here of her figuring out that that she's good enough, you know, and that it's just sometimes circumstances put us in these places where where we can't succeed. And but it doesn't mean we have to give up. You know, it doesn't mean we have to turn to darkness and be and be mean and be cruel. It just means that sometimes life is difficult and we have to kind of press forward. And and with the help of her new friends by the end of this movie, she is put in a position where she can be loved and she can love in return. And I thought that was a really nice journey and very affecting. You know, the moment where she gets, you know, picked up and loved by this this child who is also lost. You know, I thought that was a really nice moment, you know, and you these Toy Story Pixar movies are very good at extracting tears from the human eyes. It's just like they are great at it. Uh, and that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, that is that is really good and something I wasn't expecting. And again, I think that's the great thing about this Toy Story in particular is that it goes places that I didn't see it going. Whereas the other three, I kind of like, okay, I know where we're headed. This is, this is good, but but I can kind of see the tracks being laid. Whereas this kind of you know, took a couple turns here, not only with Gabby Gabby, but with the ending of Woody's story too, where I was like, oh, I don't know that that's where I thought this was going. So that was, I thought they did a really good job with those character arcs. Yeah. Where, how do you feel about where Woody's character arc went? I love it. I, I really do. And so, you know, just in case people are listening to this and they don't want to see the movie, like the idea of where this goes is he has a choice to go back with his friends, go back on the RV with Woody and Slinky Dog and, you know, Potato Heads and everyone else. Or he can go off with Bo Peep, who has kind of helped him on this journey and kind of live a new life. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting that they brought Bo Peep back because that's, you know, they never out and out say it, but that is very obviously a romantic relationship. Like there's flirtation going on from the mm-hmm. first movie on. So it's very much a corollary for like, this is, this is moving into adulthood or at least puberty, right? Just past puberty where you get, you know, your first crushes and your first okay. girlfriend or boyfriend. And so he has made the decision to separate from his friends and try something new. And up until the moment, cause there is literally a moment of, you know, he says, you know, she'll be fine without me. And you don't know if he's talking about Bo Peep or he's talking about the little girl or he's talking about Bonnie. Um, and until he makes the decision, I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. And I actually thought he was going to go back to his friends. You know, I was like, OK, he's got to be a toy. That is his that is his duty. That is what he cares about. He's going to go back. And then he chooses to do something new, to do something different, which is something that character has always struggled with. Right. You know, through all four movies, he has been very stuck in his ways and kind of like, no, I'm the top dog here. I'm the one in charge. I'm the favorite toy. And he kind of deals with a little bit of that at the beginning of this movie because now he's not Andy's toy anymore. He's Bonnie's toy. And her favorite doll now kind of runs the, the closet they all live in. And he's having trouble adjusting to being the second or third in command. So it kind of fits that he's making a decision because he's kind of done everything in that world, in the world of being one child's toy. Like, what else is there for him to experience? So now he's kind of going off into the great wide open and trying something new. And I, you know, and I was not expecting that, but I love that that was the choice that they made because now they can continue the series if they want to. 
Or this can be a really nice ending point because this has been the story, as I mentioned, of Woody and Buzz's relationship. And their friendship has kind of reached its peak and they respect one another and they respect the choices that they have made. And now they're going their own separate ways and it's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm curious uh, talking about kind of like the relationship angle of this theme. I mean, one of the things that I was sort of trying to think about and I'm probably not as good as uh, – eloquating it as you are but the idea that woody is sort of fixated on this really his relationship with bonnie and that that relationship is not working and you know he's not getting out of it what he wants and she doesn't really need him to me that sort of struck me as like uh sometimes you need to just accept that it's okay to move on move mm-hmm. move on from a relationship move on like there's not necessarily a need to have to fix the relationship that you're in just because you're in it right now and i thought that that was pretty profound and all of these things it's it's funny or interesting to talk about these things that are very real and have a lot of real life uh implications and it's just toys (laughs) yeah i do i i think that's a great point and it's something that really affected me is you know something that you don't know about me because we've just met but like within the last year i've gotten divorced and that relationship wasn't toxic or anything it wasn't the worst thing ever but it wasn't in my mind it wasn't serving either one of us so i decided to end the relationship and sometimes you have to make even if it's going to hurt everyone involved sometimes you have to make the decision that is best in the long run for everyone involved and i think for woody this is the best decision is to move on from this relationship it's not like bonnie you know was tearing his arms off and doing terrible things to this toy it was just right. like i don't really serve a purpose anymore like he his main purpose was to get her favorite her new her new favorite toy to a place that Forky can kind of accept who he is now as a toy instead of, you know, being garbage as he is <laughs> lovingly <laughs> refers to himself as he leaps into the trash over and over again, which are great comedic moments and it kind of yeah. never gets old. Um, but again, it's a nice growth for the character of Woody because if you look at the first movie, it's all about like, you know, you're a toy. I'm number one. Everybody listen to me. Whereas this, he's kind of ushering in this kind of new era of toys like no this is this is the favorite toy now and my job is to have him accept that so he can be loved and bonnie can be happy you know he's doing the right thing for his owner you know he's making sure that she's the happiest she can be even if that leaves him in the closet collecting dust bunnies and on top of that as as you mentioned before uh this idea that he was always afraid of being a lost toy like that was consistently mm-hmm. he had that speaking of kind of terrifying things in these movies he had that like disturbing nightmare sequence in toy story 2 where andy says goodbye woody and drops him mm-hmm. in this giant trash can scared me as a kid yeah. but uh <laughs> and now he's finding out being a lost toy not that bad yeah, it's okay it can be kind of fun yeah and and bo peep challenges that you know, his worldview. I think that's, that's really profound as well. Like finding somebody that can, can open your, your mind and helps you usher in a a new part of your life. I've noticed that some people have found the relationship between, uh, Woody and Bonnie to be kind of like a parenthood thing as well. Like he's, he's very concerned about her not her going to preschool alone or whatever it is, kindergarten alone. And he doesn't, you know, he wants Forky to be there for her. And he's super worried about her having all these experiences that he's not going to be a part of. I think that there's some comment commentary on parenthood there. Yeah. And I think, I think there's some commentary about helicopter parenthood going on there. Whereas like you can't, you cannot protect your kids from everything in the world. They are going to have 
difficult days. They are sometimes, even as young as Bonnie is, there are days that are going to be terrible and no one is going to play with her and she's going to come home crying. And that is part of our growth as human beings. We need to experience difficult, we need those trials and tribulations, right? And Woody, in some ways, is not allowing her to experience that. At every turn, he's kind of like, no, no, here, I'm going to, here's some crayons, here's some paper, here's this, here's that, you know, and he's not letting her experience the world, you know, and that's part of the reason her parents are like, no, no, leave your toys at home. It's time to go off to school. You can play with your toys when you get home. And Woody kind of won't allow that because he is always like he is so connected to whoever is his owner at that point that he cannot let them go off by themselves and he cannot let them experience any pain. And I think most people who are parents understand that because you never, the, a lot of times, a lot of parents I've talked to, the whole goal is like, I want their life and their experience to be better and less painful than mine was. That is my job as a parent to protect them. But there's a certain point where it's like, you're protecting them so much that if, if they do experience difficulties later, they're not going to know how to handle it because you've always been there. And there comes a point where you kind of have to take the training wheels off and let them experience some pain. And then you can be their base when they come home, you know, but you mm -hmm. can't be there with them holding their hand every step of the way. And that's kind of what Woody's doing in the beginning of this movie. That's sort of the, the theme of Finding Nemo as well. It's mm -hmm. uh, not not super novel ground for Pixar to, to cover, but yeah, even if he's got like half a fin, you gotta you gotta let him let him swim and let him experience life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, did you have any um, negatives or I don't I don't, don't want to say negatives, but well, I think I think the only real negatives I have is you know I kind of talked about earlier in the non spoiler section about how kind of stunted. This sometimes feels, uh, and I think in some ways it's to its advantage, but there are moments where you're kind of like, what are we, I feel like we're treading water a little bit. We're like jumping back to, to Buzz for no other reason other than like Buzz is supposed to be a main character. You know, he's not really doing anything. And yeah. then it's like, why aren't we, you know, this, honestly, they could have made just an entire movie just about Woody and Bo Peep without, you know, going back to the RV and figuring that out. Like you just have Woody, Bo Peep and Forky and Gabby Gabby and all them. But it did feel like, oh, well, we have it. We have some responsibility. Like you came to a Toy Story movie. You think it's going to be about Woody and Buzz. We better show you what Buzz is up to. And I think you can kind of feel that push and pull uh, on the script at certain moments. Um, but also one of the things I also liked is that they weren't afraid to introduce these new characters and make them the focus. Like whether you're talking about Forky or Gabby Gabby or trying to remember the name of the characters, but they're voiced by Key and Peel, the two like stuffed Ducky animals on Bunny. the wall. Yeah, Ducky and Bunny. Like that, they became a main fixture as, long as, as well as Duke Kaboom, voiced by Keanu Reeves, which fantastic. Like just, I mean, I'm a big Keanu fan, so I was very happy just the fact that he was <laughs> in this. Uh, but I thought, you know, his bit worked really well. They kind of threw in that kind of abandoned toy thing again, uh, but it was very quick. You know, and it kind of brought in the because he's from Canada, the kind of French Canadian accent and all that. And that stuff all really worked. But I think the only negatives are kind of, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, but just kind of that flow keeps getting interrupted where you're like, why are we back on this RV? We're no, well, I don't care about this. Let's let's get back to the actual adventure that we're following. Yeah, that's interesting. I sort of I don't know if the op I had the opposite problem, but I did think it was a little bizarre that so many of the older and i mean it works out by introducing these characters that land fantastically but it, it was sort of bizarre that it, huge characters like jesse weren't really given that much to do she I was has convinced they changed i was convinced they changed the voice actor because she's in it so little 
Yeah. Like, I was just like, and the voice sounded a little bit off. I don't know what was going on with Joan Cusack. Uh, but I, to the point where I, like, checked the cast list. Like, was that really her? Because she had, like, four lines, and they're all these really short clipped. So you have, like, you like I think you're getting at, you have, like, ten main characters just huddled on an RV hanging out for, like, over half the movie. Yeah, I thought that was a little bizarre and, and a little weird, especially because the film ends with Woody giving his sheriff badge to Jesse. I thought that that should have in order for harder. that to. Yeah. Yeah. It should have it should have had that. Oh, wow. She she's earned it, you know, and I mean, I believe that she earned it because we know Jesse from Toy Story, too. But in this film, she doesn't do anything that shows that she kind of, you know, is the next logical step to be the main toy or whatever yeah and i felt like they could have done that really easily because there's a sequence very early in the movie where bonnie takes off the sheriff batch and gives it to jesse you know and they could have had a moment where he gets upset about that and it's kind of jealous and they kind of did that but kind of played it real soft and then like and if they had played that a little bit harder then him giving her that badge at the end would have meant a little more i think but they just kind of glossed over it and moved on because they had to get to the kind of lost toy stuff which is all great you know with you right. know billy go gruff and all that stuff like that stuff really really works but yeah the, there's a lot of stuff with minus the goodbye between woody and buzz specifically all the other goodbyes should have mattered a little bit more but we didn't really spend time at least in this 90 minutes with those other characters Right. And then on a similar note, I thought that, you know, they, they introduced Forky and in the marketing, he was kind of a huge part of the marketing and everything like that. And then for the middle third of the movie, he's kind of not in it much. He's more of a plot he's, device. He's than, a goal. He's, he's what they're yeah. trying, trying to get to, which, which was kind of a shame because like, honestly, all that stuff worked for me. All the, all the Forky stuff worked for me. All the Tony Hale stuff I like, agree. was great. Yeah. So when you have that like 30 minutes in the middle where, where, Woody is working his way back to get Forky back from this antique shop. You're kind of like, I miss that. I miss the, the trash monsters, like always kind of like just, and I like that whole process of him, you know, him saying like, I'm garbage. It's not, it's not a personal insult. It's just like, that's my comfort. And I really like that message that we all find our own comfort in life. For some people that looks like trash, but to him, that's his happy place. He just, he just wants to be, cause that's where he was meant to be. You know, he's a spork. He's meant to be used and then thrown away. And he has to kind of relearn his place in the world now that he's been altered by this girl. And the way that in some ways we are all altered by the people we love, right? Our What our comfort is begins to change by our important friends, our relationships, our parents, our brothers and sisters. It has an effect mm -hmm. on us and it kind of alters where we go. Yeah, but a lot of that, like his sort of realization from that was in that, you know, that one scene where he's walking with Woody along the road, the mm -hmm. highway, and yeah. it's sort of done very quickly. And I thought that that was going to be more of the narrative throughput of the film. So it, it did feel a little jarring to that they was so heavily focused on that in the mm -hmm. first uh, act of the movie. And then he was kind of sidelined for the second act. Yep. But I mean, it, not not anything you know, that doesn't ruin the movie, but just kind no, of like not at all. <laughs> a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. But as you say, yeah, it's just, sometimes it's, it's a little stop and go with like, wait, what, what's the main point of this movie? What are, what are we doing? And then in, in a similar way, um, not having Bo Peep in Toy Story three, I think is a little weird given where this was going, going to go. Um, I think especially had when you have that long in between movies, like I think if right. this movie came out, you know, two years after Toy Story three, we would remember that she wasn't there. Like, 
I, you know, if I hadn't just watched Toy Story 3, I might have been like, I don't remember her leaving. Like, I don't, you know, I don't remember her not being there. So, you know, for sane people who don't like rewatch trilogies before they go see a children's movie, it might be like, (laughs) oh, did she leave? Oh, I guess so. I guess I'm supposed to care about that. And it may not hit the same as if you just watched the second and third one. Yeah, certainly the opening scene where they kind of fabricate that her yeah. leaving by by showing nine years ago or whatever that did feel a little maybe i'm just a little jaded but it did feel a little disingenuous i was like oh, okay so well it's like i think they realize like oh she left a long time ago so we have to remind people that <laughs> and then they also do and i think for for the better obviously but they do kind of change her character and give her a little more agency and everything yes. like that that feels i mean it's it's certainly good it just does feel a little it's a little jarring if you're well, i mean she's no jasmine you know. from the new aladdin movie or anything oh uh, yeah you know? well okay sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes I, to- I, to- I totally agree with that yeah absolutely and i you know and i love annie potts as an actress so it was great to see her actually have something to do instead of just mm-hmm. being like kind of Woody's flirtation interest in the first couple of movies. Like she's cute and she's fun, but that's kind of it. And this, she actually has something to do and she has a relationship with her, you know, with her sheep and all that stuff. Like that'll, that stuff all really works, you know, and she yeah. gets, you know, she gets to roll around in this, you know, fabricated car, you know, through the, through the festival. Like that stuff is great. And I was glad that, you know, she is a great match for Woody. And I think that worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the record, I've, I've cooled a little on, on Aladdin. I, recognize some of its uh no, I, was, I was more mocking blocks. your your co-host who was just like oh this is better than the original and yeah i don't, I don't okay, he's crazy. simmer down just yeah calm down <laughs> yeah i try and respect all opinions so he can he can have that opinion even if it's wrong like, it's wrong fine. opinions are available it's totally fine yeah <laughs> yeah so uh speaking of uh I don't know. I guess we didn't speak about funny things, but the the two scenes that I thought were just scene stealers for me were I loved Key and Peel and this Ducky and Bunny, but the the scene where it's just clearly a Key and Peel sketch where they talking about how they're going to get the key from the great. the old lady. I died when they were talking about the plush rush, yep. and then. Especially when it ends up like she just leaves the key right next to him, like all this, yeah. all this build up and like oh I guess we don't need to do anything at all. And did you uh, stick around for the post credits yes. or like mid credit scenes? That yes. that was also very funny when yep. they were using laser beams yep. and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be really excited to see all of these characters back again. Although, as you say, I think that you know this is an excellent ending point, especially for Woody. I think. Do you think there's going to be a fifth one? I mean, I didn't think there was going to be a fourth one, so take that into consideration. Right. Uh, but like, Nobody. I I don't think so. Um, because because if you like you have two options if you continue this right you keep these characters separate which is a challenge right you have woody on his adventures or you have buzz and the you know bonnie family going on and you have to find some sort of thorough line between the two or you bring them back together which negates kind of everything you did in toy story 4 right so it's like or i guess the third option is to do another toy story with none of these characters returning and bring in all new toys because like this whole world exists and it's you could have a new kid and new toys and figure something out but that's going to be hard to recreate that magic of you know Tom Hanks and Tim Allen and that relationship, so I kind of hope that they don't. Uh, but there are way, there are certainly ways to do it, and you know, let's be honest, there's money to be made 
in the Toy right. Story franchise. So who knows? But my hope is no. I hope they stop here. I think this is a good stopping point. Yeah, I I agree. Although, I mean, I think that if they were to make a fifth one, I would be more interested in seeing where Woody and all those new toys Same. go versus yeah. going back to the Bonnie thing. I think we've seen that enough times that that's yeah. okay. And like, to be so. fair, I'm part of the problem because like, I'm like, I don't want them to make another one, but will I see it? Yes, absolutely. I will see of the course. next one. So. Right. <laughs> so do you have anything else you want to mention? In no, spoilers? no, I think that that kind of covers it. I don't think there's any other... Um, big moments. I mean, I, I really liked, you know, what passes for action sequences here, like the Duke Kaboom, you know, is kind of hole in one moment, you know, shunting them all across the, the carnival. I thought that stuff really worked. I think, you know, I, you know, there's not a lot of negatives I have for this movie. Like, is this, you know, like most animated films, is this going to change your life? No, but is it fun? Yeah. And it's a good way to spend, you know, a hundred minutes or so. Like, you know, it's not a movie where you're going to be looking at your watch and like, how oh, are we, are we done with this yet? Like, it's fun and it's, it's interesting because they, I think this is Pixar's genius. Is they managed to keep, unlike something like Inside Out, they managed to keep this movie light and have these very mature themes going on right. at the same time, which I think is really impressive. And not every animated film can do that. Usually it's kind of an either or thing. Like either this is either this really light, you know, it's secret life of pets or something, or it's like, Oh, we're really trying to reach an adult audience and maybe trying a little bit too hard. Uh, but this kind of toes that line, I think just right. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's just a great time at the theater. Yep. It's just super fun. I, I also thought the whole running gag of them wanting to, or the unicorn guy wanting to arrest the dad, <laughs> bring him good. for yeah. murder. Yeah. I thought and that was funny. And it almost happened. Whole, almost happened yep. for him. He was very, very excited. Yep. It was good. The whole, the whole RV scene was, that was hilarious. Was so. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I, I did think it was kind of weird that there was no Pixar short at the beginning of this first time yeah this is the first uh i remember i only i wasn't surprised only because i had heard uh that this okay okay, like a couple days before it was released so this is the first pixar movie without a short and you know and my cynical response to that is like good that's one less thing for people to complain about because like it seems like with the last couple ones every time i go online before the oh this short is stupid i don't like it blah 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 like whether it was the I think it was uh, maybe that was for Moana, but there was like a there was like a lava one uh, that people were upset about. There is, you know, people were upset about Bao, which I really liked. I thought that was a great short that they had before their last movie. But, you know, welcome to the Internet where even a, you know, wholesome Pixar movie, people are going to be like, this sucks. I don't like it. Like, oh, God, you're you know, you're 30. Just relax, man. It's a cartoon. (laughs) I think the one that broke everybody was uh, the Olaf's snow adventure one uh, or whatever well, that was that's before that's, coco that's probably fair yeah <laughs> that one was rough that was like 30 minutes so yeah i don't think that even counts as a as a short i mean it's a short film at that point as opposed yeah. to like a short before a movie okay so let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching dave what have you been watching uh let's see so i've actually seen a fair amount of new releases in the past couple days so good oh, timing yeah. um great so I saw the new uh, the new Child's Play movie, the, the horror movie. 
um, which uh, week full of toys for you. Huh? Yeah, I actually saw these on back to back nights. I saw Toy Story on Thursday and Child's Play on Friday. It was a very, very weird oh, yeah. weekend. Um, it's pretty good, actually, much better than I expected. It, there's a lot of bad press about it a couple months ago because like the original creator of Child's Play is still doing his own thing with it and somehow lost the rights. So this is without his say so like so he hates it. Um, so it doesn't have the same original voice and it's kind of a different uh, a different backstory to the character um but it is i mean if you like horror if you like slasher movies i think you'll enjoy this mark hamill does the voice of chucky and he is a great voice actor kind of probably best known in terms of voice acting as doing the voice of the joker on the batman animated series so you know he could play evil and homicidal and crazy very well and he does a great job here this movie is very mean and very bloody and very gory, like to the point. And I've seen a lot of horror movies where I was like, Jesus, like, do we really need to go this far? But it is, you know, it's everything you expect from a slasher movie, you know, uh, but it kind of instead of diving in like the original, I don't know if you've seen the original Child's Play, but it's like the backstory is like a, a voodoo thing. Uh, so it's like the spirit inside the doll. And this is more of a kind of uh, technological danger, like the basically the beginning is. You know, this, this guy's about to get fired from the sweatshop where they're making the Chucky dolls. So he takes off all of the all of the protective uh, coating on it. So it's like, you know, it's basically like a toddler with immense power. Right. So that is <laughs> that, is, which is terrifying. I mean, just that. In yeah. Um, so he did a good job with it. It's not a perfect movie. It's a little rough around the edges. You know, you can tell it's made on the cheap, uh, but good. But I, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, so I actually haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the first one or like any of the uh, the Chucky's. Yeah, the first one's the first one's a good old school '80s slasher. Like it's a good horror movie. Okay. Like I don't know how well it's going to hold up if you've never, you know, because it's very much of its time. Right. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see how well that works if you've never seen it yeah. before. And there's like seven now eight movies in the series. Uh, so there's certainly some ups and downs. Uh, there's some good stuff. There's some really bad stuff. So it's, it's very much a your mileage may vary type of type of series. But there's some good stuff in there if, you, if you're a horror okay. fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just now starting to break into the horror stuff when I was, you know, up until like five years ago, I really wasn't into horror. And then movies like It and what is that one? Hereditary. Those those mm-hmm. two films kind of back to back were like, OK, I'm, I'm more open to mm-hmm films like this i'm trying to get into it a little more now and i'm excited for midsummer so yeah yeah um child's play probably not my thing but maybe i'll give it a go if i yeah i mean i'd recommend look watching the older one first and seeing if it's your thing because it does certainly share that dna and you know it's certainly not for everybody it is you know it goes for the humor along with the violence and for some people that humor really doesn't land so and if it doesn't it's probably not going to be worth your time you know, but okay. <laughs> but I like it, you know, for what that's worth. Yeah, cool. Um, and then last night I saw um, a movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, which got a lot of great things about this. Got yeah. a lot of publicity at Sundance, uh, which for me is usually uh, something I try to avoid because uh, most of the times the movies that do really well at festivals, I watch them and go like, what? What are you talking about? This is terrible. This is yeah. this is so so on the nose, not it, but this is the best movie I've seen this year, and it's not even close. Wow. Like, just phenomenal. 
Um, it, it's one of those movies. It's it's hard to talk about because it's got so many themes going. It's got a lot to say about toxic masculinity, about uh, male intimacy, about the experiences of of being black, not only in the United States but on the West Coast in particular, and kind of the performative aspects of being a black man in the United States. I mean, it's it's got a lot, a lot, a lot going on, and also about kind of the changing face of of big cities in the United States. Like, I don't know if you saw this movie, but it shares some DNA with blind spotting, which kind of talked about Oakland and about how that has changed because of the influx of rich white people coming in and buying up all the land mm. and kind of, you know, pushing everybody out. And this, this does talks about some of the same things, but in a more dramatic as opposed to comedic way uh, that blind spotting did. So I, this one, I highly I recommend to everybody. It's, it's one of those, it's definitely not going to be for everybody because it's, the pace of it is very, very slow, but for me, the payoff is so worth it by the end of that two hours. Like I was, I was kind of, it's one of those movies, like sometimes you see a movie and you just need, as the credits roll, you just need to sit and like not leave right away. Not because there's something coming up at the end of the credits, just because you're like, I need to process this for a minute before I get up and go out to my car and, you know, live my life. It's just very, very, very good. So highly recommend. If it's playing in your area, it's not going to be, you know, you know, we've got Avengers Endgame playing in like theaters still, and now they're going to re-release yeah. it, even though it's still in theaters with new footage. And you know, God forbid we open up some screens for smaller movies, but this is the world we live in. Um, yeah. But if it is playing in your area, I would highly recommend seeing it. Um, and so, and the only other movie I saw was a movie called Fast Color, uh, which was out earlier this year in mm. very limited release, and is now like available for rent on iTunes and all that stuff. And it's kind of set in a world where superpowers exist, but it's certainly not a comic book movie. Uh, huh. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, very few people have, uh, okay. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Uh, it stars uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra uh, in the lead role. So it's about, basically, she is this person who has these powers and hasn't been able to deal with it. And, of course, the government is after her, so she's kind of on the run. And she ends up, you know, back in her hometown and trying to kind of figure out, you know, what to do and, you know, how to escape these kind of government agents that are coming after, but it's really about her family and how she was raised and figuring out how to live in a, live in a normal world when you're not normal. It is very, very good. Another of kind of it immediately went into my top five for the year. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, it's probably like four or five bucks to rent on Amazon and iTunes and it's, you know, hour and 40 minutes. It's not a long sit. So definitely worth it too. So it's been a good, good weekend for movies. Nice. Are the, uh, is like the special effects or those they're i mean they're good but they're minimal the focus is not okay. on her powers like it's it's a her struggle is controlling her powers in a way that so she doesn't damage the people around her so it's more about right. kind of that self good but the the few moments where you do see the kind of powers manifest it's really it's really pretty to look at simplistic but very good to look at Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's fine with me. I'm totally okay with it not being a spectacle. I just, right. sometimes when those things have, you know, they have these big concepts and then they don't have the CGI to back it up. It can right. completely right. take me out of the movie, but I'll definitely check both those out, right. especially the the last black man in San Francisco. That sounds fantastic. So, so the only thing I haven't really had too much time to see movies lately, but I have been watching some TV shows and there's, there's, there's one TV show that I watched uh, the second season of called White Gold. Have you ever heard of this? I don't think I've heard of it. No. What is that? Yeah. So it's a uh, BBC show um, from the guy who did the other 
British show called The Inbetweeners. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. heard of that? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved The Inbetweeners way back when that came out. And I thought it was a it, it's a it's a story about, you know, four kids and whatever, like the UK version of high school is. And they're just kind of really obsessed with getting girls and it's just about their relationship and the antics and they're very vulgar and everything like that. And it's funny. It's lighthearted. This one is not like that at all, actually, but it does have two of the same actors and then also stars Ed Westwick from what is it? Gossip Girl, I think uh-huh. his that that's his fame. And but he's British in this one. So it's about it takes place in, the, I believe, the 70s and they are window pane salesmen. So the white gold is actually, I guess it was a term for this uh, polymer that they used for windows back in the 70s. Huh. And it was this this huge um, business industry that took off for a little while, I guess. And it was a, a quick way to make a ton of money. And so it's a comedy show, show and it has kind of that that vulgarity that a lot of the, the BBC comedies do. And it's a, they're very short. Each season is six episodes. And this second season just came out. They're both on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah. Anything for a show that's not 22 episodes a season. God bless. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even, even the 13 episode seasons on Netflix can be a little long at this point. It's like, I only have so much time. So the, the BBC shows are are really nice like that, but this one, I mean, it's good. Um, it's definitely, at least in the first season, it it is very vulgar. So it's a very type of specific type of humor. It's not going to be for everybody, but it's a very light watch. I watch it while I'm eating dinner. Um, it's funny. Some of the characters are charming, but a lot of it is the comedy. Most of the comedy comes from kind of assholes being assholes to each other. <laughs> so it's it's a particular type of comedy. I think the my favorite thing about the season two is that the the wife of the main character played by Ed Westwick, I can't remember the actress's name, but she gets a much larger role. And there's also a female sales associate that comes in and it almost becomes less about Ed Westwick and kind of his antics and more about the the rise to power, not power, but like the the issues that these two women are facing. So it makes it a little less of a boys club show, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me feel a little better about, sure. you know, choosing to watch that with my time. But I mean, it's it's good. It's fun. And like I said, it's short. So if you watch one or two episodes and it's not your thing, then no harm done. Yeah. But it's a charming little show, so nice. I, I'd, I'd recommend checking that out. Nice. So this has been our review of Toy Story 4. Dave, thank you for joining me today. Um, you know, hopefully we can do this again sometime. It was it was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. I think <laughs> you have a lot of interesting things to say. So, Thank you. Um, yeah, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, if uh, any of your listeners think I have anything interesting to say, um, I am. <laughs> I have my own podcast, and I have a website that I write for. The website I write for is called Talk Film Society, so it's just talkfilmsociety.com. Uh, my background is in, my education is in psychology, so most of my writing is on psychology and film and the intersection thereof. Um, and I have a new podcast coming out uh, July 1st, um, so very soon. Um, me and my friend Mike are doing a show called a, a show called a podcast directed by. So basically what we do is every month we take a look at one director, uh, and as many of their films as we can watch, the maximum will be 10. Cause I think 10 in a month is plenty. Um, so usually we'll have two movies per episode. We'll kind of talk about, you know, the movie itself and kind of the director's growth as they kind of move forward in time and our expectations of them. And then we end every month talking about what we think their masterpiece is. And that is my little 
passive-aggressive dig at the internet because every movie that comes out is this director's new masterpiece, and it drives me crazy. Uh, yeah, really, I hate that. Really what a masterpiece is is one. It is one. There's Every person has one masterpiece. You cannot have two. Uh, <laughs> to look up the definition. So our goal is to find, okay, what if we were to say we our first director is Sofia Coppola? That's what we're starting with. And if I were to say to someone, okay, here's the one movie you should watch by Sofia Coppola. This will give you everything you need to know about her as a director and kind of not necessarily her best movie, but just like kind of encapsulates her style. Like what is her one masterpiece? So that's what we're kind of trying to figure out uh, every month. So the good thing is if you don't like that director, the next month we'll be doing a totally different director. So uh, if you want another movie podcast to listen to, uh, you should join us. Uh, so again, it's called a podcast directed by, and you can follow us on Twitter at directed by pod. Awesome. And are those spoiler reviews or? Oh, yeah. Full spoilers. Uh, we're not cool. doing any. Thank God we're not doing any new releases. I don't know how you do it. I used to do a new release movie podcast and it's, it can get to be a lot. <laughs> You're like, OK, I got to yeah. get to the movie. I got to find a guest. And this is like, OK, all these movies have already been released. I can rent them all on iTunes or Amazon. Like I can just sit down and watch them in my spare time while I'm eating dinner at home. So so, yeah, yeah. spoiler, spoiler heavy uh, for sure. Okay, well, I'll be sure to check that out. So, Thank you. Sounds awesome. So the intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. And if you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe and write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening. And thank you again, Dave, for joining us. And we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through, I believe we're going to take a, take a week off and then do Spider-Man Far From Home in two weeks. So until then, bye. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a film star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.